It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, November 12, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, labor strife for Kaiser Permanente. The massive Oakland-based healthcare company could be hit by multiple statewide labor strikes beginning Monday. And we've heard a lot about the United Nations Climate Conference in Glasgow these past two weeks. But how will what's determined in Scotland affect the state of California? Then we'll take a brief look at entertainment news and weather before Felton Pruitt talks with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member, guitarist Jorma Kalkinen, to close out tonight's newscast. This is the California Report. I'm Laura Clivens in San Francisco. Kaiser Permanente could be hit by multiple statewide labor strikes beginning Monday. Thousands of the company's healthcare workers in California are threatening to walk off the job over contract talks. KQED's Tara Seiler reports. You might need a chart to keep track of all the labor strife facing Kaiser right now. Engineers in charge of building systems are already striking, and Kaiser pharmacists in Northern California have scheduled a week-long walkout starting Monday. Meanwhile, more than 30,000 Kaiser healthcare workers are set to strike across three states. Southern California would feel the impact of that. It's massive in its scope. It impacts literally hundreds of facilities throughout California. Kent Wong, director of the UCLA Labor Center, says given staffing shortages, healthcare workers have significant negotiating power. They have been on the front lines of the pandemic. Many hospital workers have contracted the virus and died as a consequence to exposure on the job. The key sticking points in this contract are over compensation and a proposed two-tier system. There's an inequality to that. Douglas Wong is a physician's assistant at Kaiser Riverside. Eventually, that lower tier will become embittered towards a lot of their coworkers in terms of how come they're doing the same work and making 25, 26% less. In a statement, Kaiser said it is trying to address the increasingly unaffordable cost of health care and the fact that wages and benefits account for half its operating costs. For the California Report, I'm Tara Seiler. It's been over a week since kids ages 5 to 11 have become eligible for the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. And here in California, nearly 150,000 have already received their first dose. Of the counties that are reporting vaccination rates for this age group, Marin and Santa Clara are leading the way, with 13 percent of children already vaccinated. But many rural and Central Valley counties are showing less than a 1 percent vaccination rate for this age group. The COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow comes to an end today, and the clock is ticking on an agreement on emissions cuts. To learn what the conference outcomes could mean for California, I spoke with Violet Saena, who heads the Bay Area nonprofit Climate Resilient Communities and is the former Minister of the Environment of her native Samoa. I also spoke to Mark Hertzgard, who leads Covering Climate Now, an organization helping newsrooms more accurately cover climate change. I started by asking Mark his main takeaway, which he answered from a conference room in Glasgow. I've been here for the the final week of the conference. This is the week when uh, all of the negotiations come down to the end and we end up either with a text or not. And we will see if that text does what the primary goal of this conference is, which is to, as they say, keep 1.5 alive. And by that, the organizers of the conference mean keep the goal of 
1.5 degrees Celsius of additional temperature rise over the pre-industrial era. How will big ideas at COP26 impact people in California, particularly people who are already facing existing inequalities like housing issues or income disparities? The fight for climate justice is global and local, right? COP26 emphasized the importance of doing everything at once. So people within the climate change movement, you know, we have been bogged down like all these false, to me, dichotomies. Should we act locally or globally, individually or collectively? Should we adapt or mitigate? I think COP26 and the latest IPCC report show we have no choice but to do everything at once. So we must work locally while never losing sight of the global fight for justice and the role that we play in it. So we must act individually to help build power collectively and we must adapt to the changes that will come. You know, where the COP stands, you know, I I see how these frontline countries, the least developed countries, the small island developing states, or what they are fighting for is very similar to what here in California are also trying to fight for, especially the communities of color that are highly impacted. We need the resources. We need adaptation funding to go to those communities who need to be prepared and respond to the uncertainties that climate change comes with. Mark, what are your thoughts on how big ideas at COP26 impact people in California, particularly people who are already facing existing inequities. The most important thing for California here at COP26 in Glasgow is that the state of California has joined the Beyond Oil and Gas Alliance. That's a new grouping of states uh, spearheaded by Costa Rica and Denmark who are committing to no longer producing oil, gas going forward. And this is very significant. For many years, these agreements at uh, both Paris Agreement and previous have never even mentioned the words fossil fuels, which is crazy in a way because fossil fuels are the reason for climate change in the first place. This Beyond Oil and Gas Alliance is not part of uh, the Glasgow text, but it is a very significant I think uh, they're calling it the first movers club because this is where the world has to go. We have got to eliminate the use of fossil fuels. That's, in a sense, the big question facing COP26. And so California is taking a lead in that direction. I think Governor Newsom was, frankly, pushed very hard by the grassroots activists in California who've been pressing him a long time to uh, limit fracking, to stop the approval of new oil and gas drilling statewide. And this is a big step in that direction. That was Mark Hertzgard of Covering Climate Now and Violet Saena, Executive Director of Climate Resilient Communities. Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com and the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org health equity.
And that's the California Report for Friday, November 12th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Holly J. McDeed and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Laura Clivens. Thanks for listening. A quick public health update before we get into this weekend's entertainment news. Nevada County Public Health reports 34 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. Out of 9,311 cases since the start of the pandemic, 169 are active. 12 people are hospitalized, 3 are in ICU. And in this weekend's local entertainment news, the Sam Chase and the Untraditional perform in downtown Nevada City at the Crazy Horse Saloon tonight at 10 p.m. The band has been described as innovative gypsy Americana, blissfully ragged folk, hair-raising soul with a taste of the blues. No pressure living up to that characterization. Sam Chase, whose unique vocals are akin to Tom Waits, again, no pressure, will be celebrating his birthday on this occasion, so the performance may be even more jubilant than usual. It might not even be mid-November, but tomorrow from 10 to 6, Grass Valley hosts their downtown holiday market. Merchants lining the historic downtown streets join in the festivities with seasonal specials to mark the kickoff to the holiday shopping season. If you're not ready for holiday shopping, or maybe you're way ahead of the game and are already finished, the Bear Yuba Land Trust and Veteran Trails Stewardship Volunteer Marianne Coleman leads a guided hike at Hirschman's Pond on Saturday from 10 to noon. Along this easy-paced hike, you'll hear about how mining formed the pond, as well as learn about some of the geologic features and common plants. Tomorrow evening, Aruba Alinar presents the Gold Country World Dance Showcase at our neighbor, the Historic Nevada Theater. This dance showcase has been active in Nevada County for over five years. During that time, hundreds of dancers have performed many styles of belly dance, flamenco, Latin, hula, Bollywood, and more. The performance begins at 7 p.m. Care for an evening at the theater? Truckee Community Theater presents Steel Magnolias this Saturday and Sunday at 7 p.m. Director Alyssa Fairchild takes on the beloved play set in a small-town Louisiana beauty salon. This Sunday, the Center for the Arts presents comedy group The Second City, laughing for all the wrong reasons. The Second City is celebrating nearly 60 years of satirical reviews with their unique style rooted in improv. Performance begins at 7.30 p.m. and doors open at 6.30. The Music in the Mountains Youth Orchestra will perform its fall concert this Monday, November 15th at 7 p.m. at the Sierra Academy for Expeditionary Learning in Nevada City. The concert features music by Schubert, Hayden, Bartok, and more. Led by conductor Wayland Whitney, the Music in the Mountains Youth Orchestra continues the tradition of offering an orchestral experience to players in grades 3 to 12 under the direction of a professional conductor. And for those who wish to remain cozy indoors with a good book or movie as temperatures dip and the darkness creeps in earlier every night, the Nevada County Community Library has extended its open hours at three locations. The Truckee, Madeline Helling, and Grass Valley Libraries will be open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. And now for your regional forecast. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 47. Tomorrow, sunny with clouds rolling in come evening and a high near 70. 
and Sunday mostly sunny with light winds and a high near 69. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight increasing clouds with widespread freezing fog after 10 p.m. and a low around 31. Tomorrow that freezing fog remains until 10 a.m., then mostly sunny with a high near 64. And Sunday mostly sunny with a high near 65. And for our friends to the south in Sacramento and Woodland, Tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 49. We'll have widespread dense fog arrive mainly after 4 a.m. Tomorrow, that dense fog remains until 10 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy with sun gradually peeking through and a high near 70. Sunday starts out with dense fog before 10 a.m., then mostly sunny with a high near 71. Up ahead, Felton Pruitt speaks with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member Jorma Kalkinen. The two cover a lot of ground, including Kalkinen's memoir and soon-to-be-released record. Kalkinen performed with Jefferson Airplane and still regularly tours with the band Hot Tuna. We're talking with Jorma Kalkinen, member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and a gentleman who's putting out a new record for Record Store Day coming out in a couple of weeks. It's good to talk with you again, Jorma. Hey, good to talk to you, too. Let's talk about Christmas for a second now. This was a record. I, f- I forget how long ago you put that out. Okay. That's 95, if I remember correctly. Okay. Which is, oh, pretty much a quarter of a century ago, depending on how, you, how your math works. But it had a very important song on it, uh, and it, it had the Christmas rule, which I always loved. You came up with the Christmas right. rule. Tell people what the Christmas rule was. Okay. So, so the Christmas rule was kind of our take on Santa. And, and if Relics Records had had the record at the time had been a little more, well, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word that my mother would have used. If they'd been a little more with it, I could have seen that, that song being the evergreen song, like uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so Santa's heading to this guy's house and the guy just been started a huge fire in the fireplace. And to make a long story short, his sleigh crashes and burns and the the gentleman in question has to uh help him deliver toys with his pickup truck <laughs> uh is it is this a family thing or can, can i it's swear a, lightly it's a family it's a family thing all right well the, the last line of the yeah the the comment on his wife's attitude is really important but we yes. won't say <laughs> and it's got a bunch of other really cool stuff on there too yeah, I mean, Christmas songs are always great, you know. And one of the funny things for me is I, I really wanted to do Silent Night, but I didn't realize when after when we cut the basic track that Silent Night is one of these songs like the Star Spangled Banner that you actually have to be able to sing in order to do it. I mean, you need some <laughs> vocal range. So when I started to do it, I it's just, it's just very difficult to sing. And my friend Michael Falserano that, that co-produced the album with me, I go, Michael, how's it sound? And he goes... Great if you want Satan singing Silent Night. So <laughs> having taken that as a comment and intent that was that, that was somewhat critical of my vocal, so I called my wife up and she sang it because she can actually sing that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was Vanessa. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that would be Vanessa. All right. That's a great story there. Well, you're putting this out now on vinyl for Record Store Day, which I think is very yeah. cool. So we, we, uh, we wound up... Uh, 
you know, we've been doing some stuff with Culture Factory out of France with reissues of some of the, like, they do a lot of classic rock stuff. Like, they've done all the old Hop Tuna, Jefferson Airplane, all kinds of doors, all kinds of stuff like that with really nice packages, uh, you know, fancy vinyl, you know, lots of pictures, in some cases replicating the original package exactly, et cetera, et cetera. So we hooked up, up with them. And in fact, they, they did John Hurlbut's My Record. We, we They did really did right by us on that one. But anyway, so we became friends with them. And when we got possession of the Christmas album again, we said, how would you guys like to do this? And they said, absolutely. Let me ask you something. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? The first record, okay. Probably would have been a forty. Uh, would have been a forty-five or a seventy-eight. Actually, then. the first record I bought, believe it or not, was a seventy-eight, and it was Bill Haley and the Comets' "Rock Around the Clock." Wow, do you still have it? No, I don't. My parents had other records around the house just before my dad got a hi-fi. We had a hand crank controller for years. I don't remember where I got it. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Now, I wish I still had that. Yeah, mine was uh, Snoopy versus the Red Baron. It was a 45. I remember my first one, but that was in the early 60s. I think 60s. I remember my, my first 45s would have been either a Chuck Berry, Johnny Cash, or Buddy Holly 45. And that explains a lot, considering where you ended up. Indeed. Yeah. Well, that's cool that we got vinyl coming out now. Is this one of those thick, heavy vinyl ones with the, you know, I, I forget they have a certain weight or a certain gram. Right. My memory is uh, everything is like sort of hidden behind a cloudy veil, but I think it's 180 grams. I think that's the, that the magic three digits we're looking for. And there are two different versions of the vinyl. There's the candy cane, and I forget what the other one is. And the uh, Culture Factory guys are great. And the factory that presses these things for them just makes some really fancy looking vinyl stuff. And this is going to be out at the record stores by Record Store Day at the end of the month? Correct, Amundo. Excellent. That is very cool. So around here, people could go to like to Cherry Records or into Grass Valley. There's plenty of places. Record stores still exist out here in California. Do they still exist out there in Ohio? You know, uh, the only one that I know of right now is in Columbus. I'm sure there are others, but I don't think there's one in Athens, Ohio, which is where I live right now. We're talking with Yorma Kalkinen. Uh, Yorma, I, I hear that Hot Tune is going out on tour. We are. In fact, Mr. Cassidy is uh, is in town here. We're doing a, cl a closer, our season finale here at the Fur Peach Ranch with Electric Hot Tuna. And then we're hitting the road for, oh, the better part of a month. And part of the time we'll be touring with the Steve Kimmick Band and the other time with David Bromberg's band. I know you and David go back, gosh, to what, Greenwich Village in the, in the early 60s? You know... Not actually. I met David, trying to think when I met him. I met him later on than that. But as far as our roots and stuff like that, we both go back. I, I mean, I've known David for close to 40 years, but I didn't meet him back then. But uh, yeah, we're definitely springing from the same well. I remember I was talking with him one time and you were coming over. He was doing interviews with with a lot of the old guys. I think Dave Van Ronk was still alive at the time. And right. Dave, Dave was coming by to do interviews and you were coming by. You guys were just talking about, I guess, the old days into the new days. Yeah. Thank stuff. goodness we're still here to talk about it. That's true. And the fact that you and Jack, now you and Jack Cassidy have been playing together, I don't know, 60 years more? Yeah, since 1958. Yeah, and that was what, out, outside the outskirts of, of D.C., I think, somewhere around there, huh? Yeah, actually, I lived about a block from the Maryland line. We both lived in D.C., but close to the Maryland line. Well, that's my old stomping grounds, too. It's Good things come out of there in the long run. Where, where'd you go to high school? 
Annapolis High. Okay. I went to Wilson. Yeah. Go Tigers. <laughs> hey, you know, you put out a memoir a couple years ago, and I'm, I just started writing mine, but now I found out you put out one a couple years ago. I did. I did, and I wrote it myself, too. It was a lot of fun. I, I've actually been thinking about doing doing something else. Obviously, I've covered <laughs> covered up a lot of ground up to a couple of years ago, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're in the writing throes, it's a demanding mistress, but I, but it's really rewarding, and I'm really glad I did it. How long did it take you to write it? Two years. It's called Been So Long, My Life and Music, and uh, did you get everything in? Pretty much. I, you know, you never know. You know, people go, well, you didn't talk, you didn't talk about me, and I'm going, well, write your own memoir. <laughs> um, I, I pretty much follow the, the thread of wherever my consciousness was going at the time. Uh, you know, I, I had an offer to write uh, to write a memoir back in the early 2000s, and it became apparent to me at that time that the, the publishing company wanted a co-writer to write it with me. And they were really more interested in me talking about people that were more famous than me and telling stories and stuff. And that's not, I, you know, we've all got stories. They're not that interesting. Mine is pretty much my journey from then until almost now. That sounds great. And that's that's what you see when you go see a Hot Tuna concert, too, for me, anyway. It's kind of like the soundtrack of my life, because you're playing songs that I heard when I was a teenager in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and uh-huh, and, and onwards. You know, Jack and I talk about, you know, we're, we're so lucky that we've been able to make this journey with so many people that are still alive. Because there's a lots of talented musicians out of there. There's a lot of great stories being told, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't you can't package that story as the story of your life factor. I was wondering how many continents have you played on? Now, have you ever been to Antarctica and played music in on, on Antarctica? I have not. Okay, that would that would definitely be something to do. What about Greenland? You ever been to Greenland? I have not been to Greenland. I've not been to Iceland. Okay. You know, I've I've been to all the big. I've been to Asia. I've been, been to Europe, of course. I've never played in North Africa, but I was there briefly when I was a kid on my way somewhere with my parents. I need to go to some exotic. I can see going to Antarctica. That would be great. A hot tuna tour. Why not? I, don't... I can see going to Greenland or Iceland, too. Well, there you got venues. I don't know about good venues down in Antarctica, but there, <laughs> then, who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. You have hey. a large audience of uh, emperor penguins. Well, for the folks out here in California, I see you're playing out here at the Freight and Salvage for a New Year's Eve run. That is correct. I think we're going to be, I think we're playing there for four days or three or four days. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, we'll be out there for a bit. So we can get our hot tuna fix there. And of course, we can go to our local record store on Record Store Day, November 26th, and pick up Christmas from Yorma Kalkinen on vinyl. How cool. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Hey, we've been talking with Yorma Kalkinen from Hot Tuna. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, Yorma. Thanks for all the friendship over the years. Oh, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. That's our newscast for this Friday, November 12th. Hear something you want to listen to again or missed a part of an interview? You can always listen to expanded versions of our stories and interviews on our website at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from the Nevada City Farmers Market every Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Union Alley through November. Featuring sustainably grown food from local farmers, crafts, artisanal offerings, and live music. EBT accepted, ncfarmersmarket.org. And 
Pioneer Solar, locally owned in Nevada City with over 20 years of experience. Offering residential and commercial consulting and installation. Reminding listeners, solar power is renewable energy, a personal asset, and an investment. Pioneer.solar. Up ahead at 6.30 is the California Report magazine. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.